Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hey there, welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri, and today I'm really excited to be doing something a little bit different and featuring an interview, not necessarily with a nurse expert, or he isn't a nurse expert yet, but Today, I'm interviewing Josh Castilleja, who is actually a member of my community and a student of one of my programs. So Josh and I met through Instagram about a year ago, and he enrolled in one of my courses to help write and improve his resume. And through working together, we also had a bit of a mentorship relationship as well. And Josh has an amazing story of how he really took action and made his dreams happen in terms of going out and finding and landing the nursing job that he really wanted after graduation. So I'm really excited to feature him, feature his story, so that if you are in nursing school, you can learn a little bit from Josh because he's just really a couple steps ahead of you if you haven't yet graduated or you haven't yet landed a job. So While I love featuring experts and I love um, talking to you about my experience and my advice, I think that we also can learn so much from people who are a little bit, you know, right beside us or maybe just a couple steps ahead. So that is a good example of Josh. And we are going to dive right in and get into the interview. And I can't wait to hear what you think. All right, so let's get right into it. I am here today with Josh Castilleja, who I am super excited to interview because Josh is a member of my community. He's been a student of mine. He is a very newly minted, fresh registered nurse. Um, And I wanted to have Josh on because, you know, I featured some nurse experts in the past who are farther along on their career journey, but I think it's so helpful to others listening to hear the experience of someone who might just be one or two steps ahead of them. So, hey, Josh, welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, Josh, I want you to start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your nursing background and your story and just give a nice intro so that we kind of know who you are. Okay. Um, so as Amanda said, my name is Josh, and uh, I am not your traditional uh, nursing student. I'm 33 years old. I'm married. I have a, I have a son. Um, and I entered nursing into an accelerated BSN program after already having completed a bachelor's in exercise and wellness, working as a personal trainer and strength conditioning coach for a little while, and then even opening up two restaurants with um, my wife and her family. And, uh, you know, we just discovered that that wasn't the lifestyle that we wanted. Um, I'm sure as you can attest, Amanda, uh, having your own business is a lot of work. It's, it's a 24 hour gig, you know, you, you close up for the day, but it's always on the back of your mind. It's always something going on. And so, you know, we wanted 
more time for ourselves, um, more time for our family. And so we kind of decided to put that to the wayside. And I've always had an interest in health, wellness, and medicine. And um, already having a lot of the prerequisites for nursing, I decided uh, to go into nursing. And so now I just graduated in June and uh, just passed my NCLEX uh, July 17th. Now I'm an RN. I actually just got my um, my license in the mail yesterday, so that was super exciting. That is very exciting. I We emailed a little bit uh, before this interview, and I meant to point out to you that it's time to update your email signature and make right. sure that you have RN after <laughs> your name, too. <laughs> yeah. It's cool to, after, you know, completing school, to be able to put RN on there, you know, after all the hard work, so. Yes, definitely. So did you have any particular moment, you know, it sounds like this was kind of a crescendo into you making this career move, like, but was there a particular moment where you knew that nursing was the field for you? Um, I did a lot of research after we had decided that we were going to close the restaurant and walk away from that business. I looked into going to med school, going to PA school, um, or going to nursing school. And part of the driving factor for nursing school was I didn't have to complete as many prerequisites. Uh, as I said, I'd already a, a lot of them completed. Um, but I think part of the other reason was after reading about them and researching them a little bit more, I noticed that nursing gets to spend a lot more time with the patients. And with my background in personal training and strength and conditioning coach, I love interacting with people and I love helping them progress through whatever it is, whatever their goals may be, and seeing them come out the other side uh, better and stronger and more empowered. And I feel like nursing has that ability, I think, or, or that influence more so than being a provider. And then, you know, thinking about my experiences with my wife when, you know, when she was in the hospital and she gave birth to our son, um, the NICU team was there, the nurses were so attentive. And they were always there whenever we needed them. And um, I think, you know, for me, that was one of the big uh, factors as well as to why I chose nursing, because because of the influence that they had with our, our health care and that situation. That's awesome. I definitely think that those big life events tend to have influence on us and the choices that we make, particularly from a career perspective. And, you know, we haven't gotten into this yet or, you know, told the listeners this yet, but, um, you are a, or soon to be a NICU nurse. Yes. So you yeah. have accepted a position in a neonatal intensive care unit and, you know, something about you that I noticed early on because we've known each other ab about a year, I think, right. yeah. um, maybe a little less. We connected on Instagram. You were a student uh -huh. in one of my courses and you knew from at least the moment that I knew you that you wanted to be a NICU nurse. It was even in your, you know, Instagram handle yeah. <laughs> that you were, you know, future NICU nurse. So I'm wondering, do you feel like that also influenced your choice? Like, did you know before you became a nurse that you wanted to be a NICU nurse? Yeah. So when I was looking into it and all the different specialties um, in nursing, uh, I did have an interest in psychiatric mental health nursing, but uh, I, I love babies. And so I was kind of going back and forth between the two before I started. But once I started nursing school, I had already had my heart set on NICU. And uh, yeah, definitely the care that they, that they gave my son during that time played an influence there. I just think it's amazing to be able to help out families, you know, not just by caring for their, for their children when they're really critically ill at such a young age, but to help out families, to educate them, make them feel 
more secure and and give them you know the ability to to feel like everything's going to be okay i understand that sometimes it's not going to be okay and that's you know that's the reality of life but i think it'll be uh, such a rewarding uh, job to to help out those families the whole family unit and not just one particular person yeah, definitely. And you and I have had this conversation before because, you know, my twins who are four years old now, they were premature. So we had about four or five weeks in the NICU and ultimately they were, they were totally fine and healthy. They were just early. So they just had to do that gaining and growing and had those few little growth and, you know, respiratory setbacks that preemies do. Um, but even, even still, and, and me, I was already an NP at the time, even being, an NP, it was still such a challenging experience because I felt like all my medical knowledge and objective thinking just went totally out the window because it was me and my family. And, you know, honestly, it was the nurses who really carried us through as a family, carried us through that experience. And, you know, even when all they were doing was providing reassurance, because yes, they were providing skilled care to my babies. 24 seven, but what they were providing me and my husband was reassurance and, you know, basically guiding us through this process. They were shining on, shining a light on what to expect next and kind of recapping what had already happened. And they just kept us grounded through the entire experience. And I think, you know, that, that aspect of care does not go under-recognized. And I think that it definitely takes a special person with a certain level of emotional intelligence and relationship ability to be able to provide that. So I think that's really helpful that you recognize that about yourself, that that was your skill set and your interest. Um, and ultimately you made that, you know, you made that decision and you made that decision a reality. So I'd love for you to, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you made decisions while in school with the fact that you knew that you wanted to be a NICU nurse coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I first started college in 2005, I actually started in engineering and I was very involved in some minority uh, engineering organizations. And one of the things that they uh, really emphasized was networking. And so we did a lot of networking. We did a lot of professional workshops and uh, we even did some resume stuff. Now, engineering resumes are much different than the <laughs> nursing resumes, but um, uh, but we did all of these professional developments and networking was definitely one of those big things. So when I came into nursing school, I already had networking on my mind uh, to network early on. And so, you know, in my in my first quarter, I, my nutrition instructor, she gives her little intro and she said that she worked in the NICU. And so the first thing I did was email her and say, how do I get into the NICU? You know, what do I need to do to set myself apart to get into the NICU? Because I understand that some of these others, some specialties are definitely more difficult to get into as a new grad than others. Um, you know, med surge is not the most desirable, but a lot of people want to work with babies or they want to work in labor and delivery. And, um, so I knew I needed to, from the jump, uh, try and get ahead. And so I did that. Um, and finally, in my third quarter, one of my instructors told me about uh, the Association for Women's Health Obstetric and Neonatal Nurses. And she's like, we have a student symposium in Florida. It's four hours, it was four or six hours um, where there was going to be 30 plus nursing leaders from, you know, obstetrics and neonatal and all of that there. And they were doing a workshop just for students. And so 
I joined the organization and I went up there and um, I interacted with the nurses and uh, being from an engineering background, anytime we went to conferences, you always dressed professionally. So I wore a whole suit and tie and I was, <laughs> I was definitely overdressed compared to everybody else, but, <laughs> but it stood out. I had a, a nurse come up to me and she said, you know, if, if my son uh, were to go to one of these, this is what I would expect them to wear. And so I, I think it definitely helped, helped me to stand out. And I asked questions uh, when they went around and did uh, a Q and a, um, I stayed after and talked to nurses to let them know, you know, I'm interested in the NICU, you know, where are the level three NICUs and, uh, just tried to put myself out there. And then afterwards I just kept going to, um, chapter meetings and, you know, often I was the only student there. Um, but, you know, going there, asking questions, trying to connect with, with nurses and, uh, just build that network. Um, and it eventually paid off. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely did. And I, I know the story because, you know, Josh took one of my courses, which was a resume writing course, the weekend resume makeover course. Um, and part of the package that you chose included my personalized feedback on your resume. So that's when we really started interacting specifically about your experience. And we talked about your job search strategy and you had done all, you know, all of these networking things before we started talking, but then it was time for you to really start putting your resume out there. You were in your last, what, six months of school. Yeah. Um, and that's when I think you really started to double down on not just making connections and keeping those connections warm, but utilizing those connections in a strategic way in order to help you get a position. So I'd love for you to kind of tell that story about um, how you ended up with the job offer. Yeah. So I went to a chapter meeting here in Orlando. I'm now up in Orlando. Um, I went to a chapter meeting in Orlando and Afterwards, I spoke with a couple of the the nurses there who work at the hospital I'm going to be working at now, and I let them know that I was interested in working at that hospital. And uh, they work in Mom Baby, so they didn't they didn't work in the NICU, so they didn't really have any control over hiring me. But they told me about different positions that I might see opening up, and to try to apply for those. And uh, so I just kept in touch with them. After I attended every meeting, I would always email. The chapter leaders and let them know, you know, thank you for the meeting. I really enjoyed it. Just like you said, keeping those those network uh, connections open. And so, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks after I went to that meeting. Um, one of the chapter leaders she sent me an email and she said, "Hey, I talked to the level three NICU nurse manager, and she wants to have an interview with you. Here's her card." She sent me a picture of her card, and this was through Facebook. She connected with me through Facebook. Here's her card. And, um, you know, email her to set up an interview and send her your resume. So I went ahead and did that right away, obviously, and uh, got an email back to to do an interview in um, late February. And uh, and it was funny because I had already started applying to other residencies in other states um, because I wasn't sure what was going to happen here in Florida because a lot of the jobs weren't opening up until closer to my graduation date, which was June. Here I am in early February and nothing's open yet. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll apply in other states. And so I had already had interviews lined up in other states when I got this email. So I was super excited about that. But uh, yeah, and so I went to the interview and and uh, the rest is history. I got offered the job and here I am now. And was it a job that was posted publicly? Like 
did you, you didn't find the job first, right? Like this came out of the discussions with the hiring manager or the nurse manager. Right. Correct. Yeah. So, um, I had what I had done and this was part of, uh, I think your advice, you had spoken to me early on about, you know, pick your top five hospitals that you want to work at. And so I had picked them and what I had been doing was following their job postings on their, on their career page. And so I had been following and I'd already applied to the hospital for the mom baby group because nothing was up for the NICU. And so, yeah, this job wasn't even posted online. Um, it was just something that came about from, from networking. So that was, uh, I think one of the biggest benefits. And I, you talk about this a lot, it's, you know, a lot of jobs aren't posted online. So you have to, you have to go out there and put yourself out there and talk to people, um, for sure. Yeah. And I think that your situation is a really good example because, you know, thinking about the timeline, you, you really wanted to have something lined up. You were actively searching in February, knowing that you really wouldn't have been employable until June or July. Right. So if you think about it from the hospital's perspective, they're not going to put job postings up in February for, for a vacancy for June or July. Right. Like when the, the onboarding time for a nurse is fairly quick. So from the employer side, they're going to put the vacancy up when they actually have the vacancy. Uh, And they may have tried a few other things to fill that vacancy before they've posted it. Maybe they will have, you know, offered it to their internal candidates first. So you can imagine that down the line, like by the time the job is posted publicly, they need someone right away. So when you are still in school, while it's good to kind of see what's coming available, it isn't necessarily those jobs online aren't going to match up with what you're looking for if you're trying to secure a job early. And that nurse manager was smart because she probably anticipated that, sure, by July, there'll probably be some sort of turnover. Or, you know, if she knows that she already has shifts going uncovered, you know, she can create a spot for you. There will likely be some sort of staffing change over the next few months. And, you know, the fact that you had that conversation early on, you know, you got a job that was never posted. You never had to compete with anyone. You know, it was, it was yours. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So that definitely made it easier. Absolutely. And I think that that's really an important tip. And, you know, I I do talk about that all the time is exploring the hidden job market, quote unquote, which is basically jobs that never make it to a public vacancy because then the competition for that is is so much lower. Like I think you still obviously would have stood out if let's say there was a NICU job posted now and you have your license, you're ready to go. You still would have been a strong applicant, but you saved yourself you know, you gained time because you secured the job early and you saved yourself, you know, rounds of interviews and frustration and competition and all that. Right. So, you know, let's say theoretically you didn't know that you wanted to go into NICU nursing. You know, if that wasn't clear to you while you were in school, do you have an idea of how you still would have networked and still would have made connections in order to find a position because I do feel like one of your big advantages was the fact that you were so hyper clear on what you wanted to do so that yeah. you could go to that chapter meeting. You could say, you know, this is exactly the type of role I'm looking for. So I'm trying to think, you know, what could we, what could we recommend to those in a similar position as you, you know, in their last six months of nursing school, but maybe aren't as clear on what type of specialty they want to go into. Yeah. So I'm definitely a big proponent of 
um, organizations because that's where you're going to meet people from all over, from all different hospitals and from all different regions, especially if you go to like the state conferences or the national conferences. Obviously, right now, that's kind of difficult given the current situation. But, um, you know, they still do. I know that they still do virtual stuff. So maybe right now for somebody, uh, the organizations aren't the best situation, but it's definitely something I'm a huge proponent of. And other than that, I maybe recommend shadowing just to get different ideas of where you might go. Because I know like for us in our clinical rotations, we didn't get to explore a lot of different units. We spent some time on a med surge unit, on an oncology unit. We did one day in the OR and, you know, we have our specialties like behavioral health and and mom, baby, labor and delivery. But, you know, uh, a lot of people didn't get to go into the ER or a lot of people didn't get to go into a cardiac unit or ICU. Um, so some of these other other areas that they, they didn't get to explore. So maybe trying to shadow. Um, I know one of the one of my peers tried to do that. I don't know if he was able to get into shadow. But and then uh, one piece of advice that I was given was to try to get a position at the hospital as a CNA or a patient care tech or a secretary for a unit or something like that, just to get exposure to the hospital and how things are run at that hospital. And maybe if you get floated to different units as a CNA or PCT, you might be able to get exposed to a little bit more uh, that way. But I, as far as networking goes, I like I said, I'm a huge proponent of the organizations. I think you know our our school didn't have a very good, very strong student nurses association. I would say. It was relatively small. I didn't feel like they were super active, but I know there are a lot of schools out there that have a really good student nurses association. And then we were also encouraged to join uh, the American Nurses Association or the the State Nurses Association. So they hold a lot of different things there too. So, and I always encouraged my peers to go to these conferences whenever we were told about them. You know, I'm like, get out there and put yourself out there, get exposed because. Because if you think about it, everybody's graduating roughly around the same time. And so now the market's going to be flooded with all these new grads, all these applicants. And so if you can put your name in somebody's head uh, ahead of time, then when they see that application come in and even shoot them an email, say, hey, I'm applying for this position, um, then I feel like your resume shoots to the top because they're like, oh, okay, I know this person. Let me take a look at their resume. And then that may land you the job. That could be the difference. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, there's this messaging that there's a nursing shortage. Like we hear nursing shortage over and over and over. Um, and it can be easy to assume that that means you don't have to try to get a job. You know, it's easy to assume that, okay, there's a nursing shortage. I'm going to go to nursing school. I'll graduate. And then a job will fall into my lap. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. And I think that you know, you had the benefit of the fact that you were a little bit more of a mature student. You know, you had a previous degree, you had previous employment and, and business experience. I think that probably helped you with that. And a big takeaway that I'm hoping that those who are in more traditional nursing programs or who are younger can take away from this is the fact that the networking and the personal interaction and the strategy is still so important when it comes to comes to finding a job. I think that that's easily something that is overlooked. And um, something that I wanted to ask that we kind of glossed over at the beginning, you know, you said you did an accelerated nursing program. So um, what did that look 
like specifically like how long was it? Was it full time? Were you able to work while doing that? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my accelerated BSN program was um, 18 months and uh, we had, so six quarters split into 11 weeks per quarter. We had two weeks break in between. And so it was, it was full time, uh, 18 months. And that was, if you already had a degree and you already had all the prerequisites completed, if you didn't, it was something like 33 months. If you were just starting, you know, they called it the traditional BSN, but, uh, I worked for a little bit as a substitute teacher in the beginning, but it was very difficult. I had this idea in my head that, oh, as a substitute, I won't be teaching kids. I'll just be making sure they stay on task. Well, mm-hmm. in middle school, it's a little bit harder than <laughs> than you would think. And so, and I usually substituted for math classes and I was a math teacher right before I started nursing school. So I ended up teaching a lot um, while I was there answering a lot of questions. So I didn't really get any study time during those days. And I felt like I needed to take a step back. So I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to work. I did have peers who did work uh, during that, whether it be babysitting or a CNA or working at a grocery store, whatever it was. But um, so it was definitely, you definitely could work uh, during our program. I think the most challenging thing was balancing my life with my family life and school life. And so when I came into nursing school, my mindset was I wanted to be the top student. And so uh, I dedicated a lot of time to studying and uh, I had to find that, that balance. So we ended up dedicating like one full day to just family time where I didn't do any studying. I didn't, you know, it was just family. Um, so one full day a week, I think there was one quarter where we weren't able to do that just cause we were, I was just so busy with clinicals and everything. But um, that was our, that was probably the most challenging aspect of it. So, but, uh, I mean, obviously school is way different than the real world. And so one of the things that I'm most nervous about, uh, having graduated and transitioning into a new nurse is, is that time management. Are you getting ready to graduate from nursing school soon? Are you feeling like you have no idea where to start when it comes to looking for, applying to, and landing your dream nursing job? Whether you're a new grad or an experienced nurse looking for a change, I'm happy to announce that I have the perfect resource for you. It's a totally free on-demand video training that's going to teach you my three-part formula for landing your dream nursing job. You'll also learn about the most common mistakes I see nurses making during this process and how you can avoid them. To watch this free training, go to theresumerx.com slash masterclass. Again, that's theresumerx.com slash masterclass. It runs about 45 minutes and it is full of my best tips. And while you're watching, go ahead and screenshot the training. Tag me on Instagram in your stories at theresumerx so I know you're watching and I can shout you out. I hope you enjoy. So I know you were a non-traditional as well, even though you went straight into NP. Like yeah. how do you, how do you manage that? that transition from coming from a totally different background, not really having any healthcare experience to, to jumping straight into it. Cause I feel like it's just going to be, um, like hit the ground running type of situation. So how do you, how do you manage that as a new, new nurse? Yeah, for sure. It can definitely be really challenging. You know, for me, I, I feel like I had the benefit of the fact that I, didn't have kids when I started my career. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's just been such a game changer since becoming a parent. But yeah, I think that what's really important, first of all, for you personally is to 
decide what those boundaries are. You know, the fact that you decided in while you were in school to have one dedicated day of family time, I think that that is great. And you can use a similar approach to saying, to determining, you know, how things will work in your, you know, when you're balancing your, your home life while you're, while you're working. Um, and that said, you know, on the flip side, you may want to, you know, knowing you and knowing how driven you are, you know, you're going to go from wanting to be the top student to wanting to be the top new hire and being the top NICU nurse, you know, you are going to be striving for that excellence. So you may decide to build in some time that you're off from work to dedicate to your reading or your, you know, whatever type of studying you're doing. I imagine there'll be, you know, some sort of orientation handbook, like extras that they will um, have you doing. And and maybe you will decide that there's some time that you're off from work that you want to dedicate to reviewing that material. Yeah. Because you're going to be learning for this orientation period. You know, this is a very specialized unit you're going to be on. And you may want to build in some time when you're off from work to to focus on that. Um, but I would set boundaries on it because it would be easy to just, you know, to go all in and spend all your off time thinking about work. And that's where the danger zone is. So, you know, setting that boundary and saying, okay, that, you know, this hour a day on my days off is going to be my work review time or however you decide to structure it. But I just encourage you to be really mindful about that and make sure you're prioritizing the things that are kind of energy giving to you. You know, you will want to be sleeping well and you know, drinking a lot of water and fueling your body with healthy foods and exercising and doing all those things that you can do to maintain this healthy work-life balance, because that is something that I think that new grads are at risk, you know, of, of early burnout if you don't prioritize that. And the other thing too, is making sure that you are checking in with yourself, you know, mentally, emotionally, and doing exercises that can help with your confidence at work, because, you know, there's the whole burnout side of things like physical and mental burnout. And then there's also, you know, you can, it's easy to get really hard on yourself suffering from things like imposter syndrome and anxiety before work because you're worried about your confidence. And that's not something that everyone struggles with, but it's really common among new grads. Okay. Yeah. I think from the physical burnout, I'm not worried about that so much. It's definitely a mental game getting in there and feeling like, uh, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll have imposter syndrome. I'm sure a lot of people, I mean, everybody goes through it at some point and I know I will, but right off the bat, um, you know, maybe just, I don't know. I think I have this mindset and I think of this quote and it kind of relates back to, you know, getting prepared for that job. Um, but it's, uh, and like you said, like graduating and then hoping something falls in your lap is chance favors the prepared mind. And so I want to go into this being prepared um, at least from a theoretical standpoint, but like you said, finding that balance, because, uh, one of the things that eats at me, especially towards the end is my son asking me like, Oh, are you going to go study? Like, do you have to study? Cause he just wants to play, you know, he's four years old. So about the same age as your, as your twins there. So he, that's what he wants to do. He wants to spend time with dad. He wants to play. And so he gets so sad whenever I have to go study and I, I can't have time for him. Um, so I, I think you bring up a very good point. It's just finding or creating that boundary and sticking to it. But I think one of the one of the things I'm most worried about going in there 
is being super critical of myself and expecting my performance to be at a certain level and then not being able to to manifest that while I'm there mm. while I'm there at work and so um and I'm sure a lot of new nurses go through that too because especially if they've excelled in nursing school and then to be dropped into a unit a critical care unit especially um you know it's a whole different world and we don't learn a lot of those skills I mean we certainly don't learn any NICU skills in nursing school yeah. because we spend almost no time in the NICU but um so I think that's one of the things I'm most concerned about is just expecting so much of myself. And then yeah, definitely. You know, I think like a failure. I think that that's, I think that that's normal to be concerned about that and normal to experience that. And, you know, I think of that, the novice to expert model, you know, and you think of like this linear path that you are on while you're in school, like you start off feeling very fraudulent, like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? And then at the end of nursing school, most people graduate with some degree of confidence um, and some degree of expertise of being a nursing student, mm -hmm. right? Like you're not yet a nurse expert, but you're an expert in what you've been doing, which is being a nursing student. And then when you start your job, you drop off because now you're in a new role. You're not a nursing student anymore. You're the nurse. And as the nurse, you're a novice nurse. So you have to deal with that drop off of being in that headspace again. And I think that you're right, especially if you have a tendency to be a high achiever, it's really easy to be hard on yourself. So being really intentional about how you're not going to be hard on yourself. So that may be something as simple as having some sort of mantra that you keep in your head, some sort of positive affirmation that you say to yourself every morning or every day before work um, that gives you the grace to be learning and growing as a new nurse. Um, because if you find yourself, like you have to catch yourself if you have these negative thoughts of, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. I'm supposed to be doing better than I am right now. All of that will really take a toll on your performance. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can, it's, it's good that you can recognize that you're at risk for that now, because there are so many things that you can kind of put in place, so many little rituals that can help you with that in the moment. Like you can prepare for your shift, but also in the moment, you can catch yourself having that thought um, and decide to push that thought away and replace it with something that's more positive and, and encouraging and kind of you know, we give so much empathy to our patients and we need to give empathy to ourselves too. Um, and I feel like we can't, we can only do as much for our patients as we can do for ourselves. And I think that that starts with the, the confidence and the self-love we show ourselves at work. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I, I, I do have a quote that I do use. Um, sometimes I forget to use it, but um, the man in the arena by Theodore Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. Um, and just that first line, it's not the critic who counts. And so I think, I feel like if I can just remember to say that to myself, <laughs> even, yeah, even if I'm the critic, you know, just, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I think that'll help a huge amount. So one other thing that I just thought of that I'm terrified of is now I'm no longer the student. I'm no longer the student nurse. Um, I'm going to be the nurse and I'm the one responsible for these patients. So I can no longer just say, Hey, you know what? Let me go get your nurse. Uh, it's, you know, now I'm the nurse, so I have to be able to answer and provide care for these patients. So I, I know that's definitely an anxiety that I'm going to have to deal with. What would you recommend or how would you recommend I deal with that, those types of situations? 
Yeah, definitely. So I think something that I say and think about all the time is that a very valuable quality in a new graduate is being able to confidently say what you know, confidently acknowledge what you know, but more confidently acknowledge what you don't know. Um, So being comfortable saying either to yourself or out loud to a patient or a coworker or a provider, to a manager, you know, being able to say that you don't know isn't a sign of failure. It's, it's courageous. It's bravery. It's, you know, putting yourself out there and ultimately is in the best interest of the patient. Okay. Like you never want to be in an area where you're fumbling through something that you aren't sure of, because that's not what's in the best interest of your patient, right? That's something that's going to preserve your ego. Um, And when you're going through this type of experience, your ego is going to, you know, have some chatter like, oh, I probably know what I'm doing. I'm going to get through this. But you always want to check in with your highest self and your highest self is going to always honor the safety of the patient first. And sometimes that means that you have to be uncomfortable and admit that you don't know something. So I think that's, you know, really my biggest piece of advice. And then if you acknowledge that you're going to be comfortable being uncomfortable by saying no, then you need to know where, um, what your resources are. Okay. So that's something you need to remind yourself of at the beginning of every shift, you know, when you leave the unit on a break, you know, say, okay, if I'm in, if this next situation reveals something that I'm not sure of, and I'm not comfortable with, what is going to be my plan to find out the answer or to get the resource? So if you're in a patient's room by yourself and it's a more critical patient and you know that something could be coming up in the care that you're not super comfortable about, what's going to be the actual action step if you're in the room and you need help? You know, so depending on the hospital, they're probably going to have some sort of communication device, whether it's, you know, like a vocera button or like a hospital cell phone where you're going to call whoever your preceptor is for the shift or whoever's on your team, because a lot of NICUs do team-based nursing. So you're going to know and identify and have a plan before you're in the situation of what you need to do. It's the same way that we, you know, prepare for codes and, you know, respiratory emergencies, like in general, when we're, um, you know, preparing for those kinds of unpredictable situations, you're, you're just going to have an action plan and you're going to say, all right, I don't know the answer to this, or I need some reinforcement and you're going to excuse yourself or you're going to, you know, make that phone call, whatever you need to do and always check in with what's the best option for the health and safety of the patient and family and in the case of the NICU. So you may need to learn, you know, let's say you're in a scenario where you don't know what to do next and you're concerned that expressing that knowledge to the family is going to cause distress. Because remember, you know, NICU families are are under a lot of emotional stress. So it might cause more stress for you to stand there and confidently say, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so, so in that case, your action plan is going to be to say that you're going to excuse yourself. And then you're going to go privately say to your team nurse or your leader, whoever it is, you're going to have that conversation privately and ask for help. And then, you know, confidently go in there together and solve whatever problem it is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. No, I, I mean, it's definitely, and I think that's the hardest part is admitting that you don't know something. Um, because in nursing school, I, 
I, I think just in school in general, but when you're, when you're around your peers and the instructor asks a question and everybody's just quiet because nobody wants to be wrong, right? Nobody wants to say the wrong answer. Nobody wants to say, I don't know. That's tough, you know, and I'm guilty of that too. Even being one of the older students in class and having experience, there's still that fear of like being wrong and being judged or not knowing and being judged. So that's definitely well, something I'll have to work on. But that's that's the end of that man in the arena quote. Yeah. You know, that's like true. It's, it's, you have to have the courage to put yourself out there and and be be in the arena, be in the experience. Um and a lot of times that's that's where the the bravery and the discomfort comes in, but that's what's going to push you through that experience and make you better and help you develop into the expert that you obviously want to become. So as we wrap up, do you have any, um, it may be hard, but to think about it now when you're, you haven't even started your job yet, but do you have any big dreams or goals personally or professionally within the next five to 10 years? Um, so like you said earlier, like my goal is definitely be the top nurse in my NICU. Um, you know, I want to be that person that everybody wants to go to when they have a question or when they need something, uh, you know, when crap hits the fan, but I'm looking at, you know, taking my education further, whether that, you know, be a nursing educator, uh, because I do enjoy teaching and, um, helping others become better. And then I'm also looking at either NP or CNS, although I've heard, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard that CNSs are kind of getting phased out. But uh, I think ultimately I want to try and stay in the NICU. So neonatal NP, I've already looked at a bunch of different programs, but I want to, and I've heard that NICU nurses already have a lot of autonomy, but I want to take that autonomy to the next level. Um, And here in Florida, they just passed a law where nurse practitioners can become completely autonomous after five years. And I think it's like 3000 hours under physician supervision. Uh, They can apply for complete autonomy. So I think that would be really cool, but we'll see. Uh, My unit also has a bunch of different um, kind of further specialties. So we have ECMO, uh, we have a NICU transport, they have a pick line team. So I would love to learn how to do all of that and just, you know, increase my skill set. And, uh, you know, just try and be, try and be the best nurse that they've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure on yourself. I know, I know, but that's just, I'm just very competitive. I'm a very competitive person and I always want to be the the top student. So that's good. I think, you know, competing against yourself is probably going to be your, um, kind of your MO, but it's great that the NICU has so many different, kind of subspecialties and skills because, you know, you can set little milestones for yourself to help you reach your ultimate goal. And, you know, that ultimate goal will hopefully become more clear as you, as you get more experience, whether you want to be more the educator, you know, nurse leadership side of things versus provider side of things. And I think that what you will probably do, whether you've planned on it or thought about it or not, is you're going to you know, definitely ask a lot of questions of your nurse manager and the nurse educators on the unit and kind of explore what their roles are. And on the flip side, you're probably going to be someone who connects with the NPs on the floor to see what are they doing? What did their path look like? That'll be, you know, a great opportunity for you when you interact with the 
NPs to see, you know, were they NICU nurses first, which they probably were? How long did they do that for? How did they know they wanted to be neonatal NPs? You know, you can really get a lot of insight just from being, you know, in proximity to them. And, you know, then you're nurturing that network too and those connections. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully they don't get annoyed with all the questions. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. okay. It, it comes it comes with the territory. Yeah. Well, Josh, thank you so much for spending time answering all my questions and giving us a look into your experience. Like I said at the beginning, I think that there's so much value in learning from someone who is just a step or two ahead. And um, before you know it, you're going to be precepting nursing students. How does that sound? You know, I'm actually excited about that. I feel like by the time I get to that point, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready for that. It's funny because I was in nursing school, I was awarded um, student mentor or peer mentor award and that's voted on by your peers. So that's, you know, that's a good feeling when, when your peers look for you or feel like they can look to you for, for answers and, and guidance. So that was really cool. And it felt like they respected me. Uh, for that. So, you know, I think being a preceptor would be awesome. And even working with students, if I don't know if our uh, students come through that area for clinicals, but I think that would be amazing. Uh, I think, I think one of the biggest things we can do as nurses um, and as leaders is to build up those who are coming behind us. Um, because, you know, I want, I want the people working beside me to be, you know, to be the best that they can be as well. You know, we're we're all not going to be on the same level. We're all going to have different uh, areas where we excel. But if we can each pick up each other's weak points, you know, and try and build each other up, then we're going to be even better. Yeah, absolutely. Or as my four year old say, teamwork makes the dream work. That's right. <laughs> one of the one of the other quotes I lived uh, lived by in nursing school was uh, "faster alone, further together." So oh, I like that. I like it. So, all right. Thanks, Josh. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.